Hello, everybody, and welcome to an off day of our coverage for Euro 2020. But seeing as we took a day off yesterday after the great work from our colleague I Need No Name, we decided to take today as the day to really take a look back at the group stages of Euro 2020, talk about the teams we were impressed by, the teams we weren't impressed by, go over our pre-tournament predictions, or the start of the tournament predictions, and then we go ahead and take a look at the round of 16, and then give our predictions as to who we think are going to advance out of those spots. So, I'm joined by Tom Adams, the person that joined me for all of the previews. Tommy, it's been a little while since we've sat and talked. How are you feeling? How did you enjoy all of the group stage action for uh, for Euro 2020 so far? Yeah, it, it ha- feels like it has been a great while since I've last been on, Jake, but I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, the Euros as much as I can. Unfortunately, most of these games have been on when I've been at work. They all happen during the workday, uh, which is a little bit unfortunate, but I'm always checking back BFW listening to our pod, which has been great to have different contributors and Jake, all of your uh, post-match recaps and then you know, juxtaposing those with watching full highlights. Um, the beginning stages, I would say, were, were really fun. I actually had, like, my first night out after, like, I guess, post-COVID, if you will, since I've been vaccinated and all that stuff. Uh, and was with a British friend of mine. Shout out to Grant, if he ever <laughs> is listening to this. Uh, we had a nice time at an Irish pub watching England, Croatia. Met some Yorkshire fans there. Uh, it was a very fun um morning out if you will watching england versus croatia and yeah um 9 a.m pints hit a little bit different jake 9 a.m pints always hit different i remember all of those from whenever i would get up early to watch Bayern versus dortmund back in back in syracuse but then again 9 a.m pints hit different off of match days as well and that's the benefit of going to syracuse but Anyways, we're going to start off a little bit different. Instead of running down all the tables, we're going to talk about who we were impressed by and who we were disappointed by. So, Tom, let's start off with the bad and just get the bad out of the way. What was the team that really disappointed you? Well, not just based off our prediction, but, Jake, more so just off of the results that they had had in the qualification process, qualifying for the European uh, championships itself and of course I'm speaking of group A Turkey only one goal to show yes they had a relatively difficult group but I really thought they were going to have uh, a lot more bite than they actually showed for Jake as we as we had mentioned in our previews a guy like Yilmaz who had absolutely been killing it in qualification at what was it 35 37 years of age coming off of a great season for his club I just uh, I love how the guy I highlighted to uh, Leicester City's Chenjik Under did not get a lot of playing time, really failed to make an impact. But Jake, I just thought this this Turkish side were going to be way more of a force to be reckoned with. And honestly, the 3-0 against Italy, the 2-0 with Wales, um, you know, even perhaps flattered Turkey a little bit. I mean, Italy have been a different beast in this tournament. I think they've just been toying with everyone in complete control of every... Uh, every one of their group stays matches against uh, Turkey, Switzerland, and those, then Wales, respectively. And shout out to my boy Shakiri scoring those two bangers uh, against Turkey. But yeah, Jake, I was thoroughly disappointed with them. I thought they were going to show much, much stronger, a much, much stronger outing, and they just looked a little bit lifeless and perhaps a little bit deflated after that opening three 0 loss to Italy. But you know, I expected much, much more from them, especially after beating France. 
uh, I think it was tying the Netherlands or, or something like that back in qualification, even though that feels like it was like 50 million years ago at this point. Uh, but much, much more impressive in the qualifying campaign than the actual tournament itself, Jake. Uh, so that's the first team I would say that I would highlight that I was really disappointed with. Yeah, this Turkey team, believe it or not, finished dead last in this entire tournament. Only two teams got zero points. It was Turkey, which wasn't expected exactly by the bookmakers and everybody else coming into this, and North Macedonia, which could have been a little bit expected. But to North Macedonia's credit, not only do they have a better goal difference, but they also scored more goals. They scored two goals throughout this entire tournament. To me, I'm... I called this from the beginning, and I was kind of happy that I did, but this Turkey team, it just something didn't seem right to me. I looked at that roster, it was a weird space between it being too young and too old at the same time. I didn't really like that Ilmaz, despite being a great attacker, was really the only attacker up front looking at the back lines that he'd have to go against with young people on Switzerland and Wales and such an established back line in Italy, I just didn't see it working. Not to mention, a majority of the players in their midfield were really just almost non-creative during this entire tournament. And I don't know what this is going to do for Turkey going forward, but... Hopefully, they're able to pick some pieces up. They're not the most disappointing team to me, though, Tom. Uh, the most disappointing team to me was Scotland. I really didn't want Scotland to be this bad, and I won't really go on a tangent about this because I already mentioned it on our uh, post-game from a couple days ago when Group D finished out. It's really hard to perform at a tournament when your striking and your finishing is inconsistent. And again, I'll repeat this. Their two strikers were Lyndon Dykes and Che Adams. Che Adams plays for Southampton, and he's used to playing alongside Danny Ings, which means he does not bear the entire responsibility for the goal scoring. He can be creative. He can poach goals, which you've seen a lot of if you've watched Southampton and you watch Che Adams. And unlike Danny Ings, Lyndon Dykes is a striker for QPR. He scored 14 goals, which is not bad whatsoever, but he's not nearly as domineering a presence as Danny Ings. And when you look at the list of strikers that Scotland left at home, it really makes you wonder why they only brought two to this tournament. There were so many other options. You had two options from Sheffield United. You had an option from Celtic, who scored a number of goals in recent appearances and through his entire career in, in Scotland. And it didn't shock me at all that their one goal of the entire tournament was scored from the midfield because that was their deepest position, but... I, it was disappointing to see that they weren't able to really galvanize themselves to score, and just the strikers up front were missing so many chances, so many pretty uncontested, pretty clear t chances, and I know Tom is very happy about that as he tilts his laptop down to show the England shirt that he's wearing, but 
I think you could even agree that that Scotland game should have had goals in it, regardless of which side they should have gone in for, and it's a little shocking that it finished nil-nil, because both sides were putting shots on goal, and unlike England, who has two goals to show for it from this entire tournament, which is weird that a team that wins a group only has two goals, but Scotland have one, and it was in a game that they needed to win, and they weren't able to get it done, so that's rather unfortunate for me and all of my fellow Scottish fans. I apologize. Just going to jump in and add sentiment. I mean, I really feel for Billy Gilmore. To your credit, you know, I, th- I think I know most of the listeners know if you're new, I am an England fan and a Liverpool fan. So for not the first time for Bavarian Podcast Works and Football Works, it puts me in a tricky situation, uh, obviously with Liverpool and Bayern playing each other in the Champions League a few years back. And now, of course, it just had to be Germany versus England. So I'm going to be torn. Uh, but yeah, Billy Gilmore, obviously, those of you who have been paying attention to the Euros, you know, we played against England, had a fantastic match, in my opinion. And it pains me to say that because I hate Chelsea a lot. Um, but, you know, with the whole COVID situation, I think he would have been a massive help uh, against Croatia. I think he really bossed the midfield for large portions at Wembley against England. And, you know, it's unfortunate that he did test positive for coronavirus after coming back from injury and impressing so much. So, Jake, I definitely feel, feel your sentiment there. Uh, as much as Scotland, our arrival of England, I think it was more of, you know, everyone was very excited to see them at the first tournament in a long time. And, you know, it would have been exciting to see them in the knockout stages. But, you know, that was a huge blow for them. Very unfortunate luck, obviously. Uh, Mason Mount and Ben Chilwell, Chelsea teammates, have to go into isolation there in question for England versus Germany. Uh, so that was a, a little bit of a curveball that nobody was expecting, but definitely feel for Scotland and Billy Gilmore in that respect. All right, Tom, time to tell me the team that you were surprised by, pleasantly or otherwise, during the group stages. I know Bavarian football works own Marcus Iredahl is going to love me for this, but I was very pleasantly surprised by Sweden. Jake, I know that you have some of our group predictions written down from when we were doing the preview shows, uh, but I was just very impressed, not only just because they topped the group and, yes, they got a result out of Spain, but going off of that, I think that tactically they got everything spot on for each and every game in the sense that they obviously prepared a little bit different. Jake, I think we know, what was it, like 80% possession for Spain against uh, Sweden in the opening match. And obviously we all know that Isaac missed that sitter. It could have been a far different story. It would have been amazing if Sweden were able to nip that 1-0 win in the opening uh, group stage game. But that wasn't to be. I just have to give all the credit in the world to Jan Anderson. I think that he got every game spot on. I think he knew that they were going to have to sit back, take their chances against Spain, and they held on, got a vital point to get their tournament off to a fantastic start. Then, uh, naturally, as you saw against the Slovakians uh, and the Poland side, that they opened up a little bit and really started to boss things. And yes, it was a, a penalty that uh, got Sweden through against Slovakia, but I thought they were more expressive in that game. And it pains me that, uh, unfortunately, their last group stage match was at the expense of Robert Lewandowski, and who played phenomenally, scored three of Poland's four goals at the tournament. It always sucks to see uh, Mr. Lewandowski carry the team on his back, you know, and then get knocked out in the group stages. But 
uh, you know, that's another story. Poland were another team that I was disappointed with, but I know we're focusing on the pleasant surprises. So, yeah, uh, ML Forsberg stepped up, showed some great class. The RB Le- Leipzig men, Isaac, I think, has been very troublesome for defenses. Uh, ESPN's punditry has been quite critical of him, you know, drifting into the wrong positions or, or missing chances or not being in the right place. But, yeah, I, I know Marcus is going to love this if he listens to this, and I'll be sure to mention in our Slack channel that I picked them. But they've had a, a fantastic tournament, Jake, and I think if you ask any fan of Sweden, any Swede, that they're going to tell you they are over the moon having won that group and, you know, are feeling very confident going into the knockout stages. This one's going to be a little bit out of bounds, so bear with me on this one. But the team that surprised me pleasantly the most was the Dutch. And I know that sounds a little bit counterintuitive, right? You know, we all predicted that the Dutch were going to win Group C, and they did. And so some of you might be asking, well, why are you pleasantly surprised if you thought they were going to win the group? It's not just necessarily that they won the group, but it's really how they won the group. They scored the most goals of every team during the group stages with eight. They have some of the best goal difference of any team. They have the second best. They're tied with Belgium for second behind Italy, who did not concede a goal at all during this entire tournament. And I'll I'll explain, I'll touch on Italy a little bit in our rundown of our predictions. But Jake, do you happen to know the other team that hasn't conceded a goal yet? I yeah, know it might pain yeah, you to say it. Yeah, okay. All right, we're going to move on. I, I thought I already covered <laughs> that, but, you know, <laughs> score a couple more goals, Tom. Let's stop relying on Raheem <laughs> Sterling to be the only goal scorer for England. But fair enough, fair enough. The Dutch have done surprisingly well and I don't hear enough people talking about them like I know that there are a lot of people saying like oh they're a great team right and they deserve to win the group right but I don't hear a lot of people saying that they're like contenders to run all the way and I really think that they should be they they should be talked about like that more often the Dutch did a fantastic job they're Attacking comes from all three levels of the field. They've involved more than just Memphis Depay. They've really utilized their wingbacks. And to me, if I look at this list, and I look at the path that some of the teams have to get to, I can easily see the Dutch making the semifinals or the finals of this tournament, and I really don't hear a lot of people talking enough about them. And so I know we're a German soccer podcast, and it's very weird for me to be talking positive about the Dutch, but they're really the team I would say I'm very pleasantly surprised by. The other team I would quickly jump in, my Czech boys, my 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 beautiful West Ham Czech boys, uh, Tomas Suchek and Vladimir Sufal did a fantastic job, and I'm so proud of them. They did such a good job. Uh, Patrick Schick as well, doing the Bundesliga proud with that worldy of a goal against Scotland at Hampden Park. I'm very glad that the Czech Republic are through. So it's a very good thing that they are through. They've played some fantastic, some fun, some pretty good defensive football. And I cannot wait for the entire Czech Republic team to eventually make their way to West Ham where we lift the European 
the Europa League trophy, trophy this year. So before I run down all of the groups, I think it's important to talk about who is in and who is out in terms of third place teams, because that was going to be a big question in all of our predictions, was who the third place teams were going to be. And we didn't necessarily, like, peg some teams as like oh like we have four predictions as to who is going to be the better third place team but in terms of who made it uh switzerland ukraine the czech republic and portugal from group f are all going to be making it the only two that will not be going forth are slovakia and finland and i just have to say finland did a fantastic job at this tournament uh, they, they, some could say they got lucky from their first win after everything that happened in Denmark, but beyond that, I, I, the, the biggest risk in all of my predictions, I would say, was saying that Finland was going to come out of here with two points, and they got three points, so I'm kind of happy about that. So, we won't, we'll touch on that in a little bit, but we start off with Group A. Uh, my predictions were Italy, Switzerland, Wales, and Turkey. Tom's predictions were Italy, Switzerland, Turkey, Wales, and it actually came out Italy, Wales, Switzerland, and Turkey. So, kind of right, kind of wrong. We each said that Italy and Switzerland were going to qualify. I guess I was more right, even though I had them in wrong positions, Tom. So, what kind of held you up in the beginning about that Wales team? I would say, just like we were talking about in the preview uh kind of the disparity uh between experience and youth in that squad uh younger side guys like Harry Wilson um obviously a former Liverpool player um Ben Davies from Tottenham and then you have guys like Aaron Ramsey, Gareth Bale who like many other people in this tournament had missed a penalty it seems to be like a running theme i just thought in you know uh, everything that happened with Ryan Giggs uh, off the pitch, you know, there's a lot of distractions, and I just thought that, um, you know, I thought everyone else in the group was going to be too much. I think it was more Jake. I don't want to discredit Wales at all, but I was, I thought it was more of, you know, Turkey being far, far more disappointing. Switzerland not quite hitting the strides that I thought they were going to hit. Um, and what was it, Jake? If, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it Switzerland? That they were winning 1-0, and then they conceded late on to finish that, that match 1-1. I thought Switzerland were a little bit disappointing uh, holding their 1-0 lead in that match. So for that respect, you know, I thought based off of Turkey's qualifying record, they were going to do far better at the tournament, and they just completely did not, did not show up whatsoever, as you mentioned, as we mentioned just a few moments ago. But, um, you know, I, I just thought the uh, the inexperience, I guess, overall – you know, Bale, even though he made that, that blockbuster move back to Tottenham, hasn't really played all that much. You know, he was rarely able to go for more than a 40-60 minute shift. I have to admit, I did not watch much of Juventus or Ramsey uh, in Serie A, so I, I couldn't speak much on that. But, you know, I just didn't think they those two were going to be enough to, to carry the entire Welsh side through. But to their credit, they proved me wrong. Group B... Let's take a look and see what we predicted. I had 
Belgium, Russia, Denmark, Finland, but having that Finland would have at least two points. Tom had Belgium, Denmark, Russia, Finland. So swapping basically our second and third place. And in reality, Belgium won the group. Denmark finished in second. Finland finished in third. And Russia finished fourth. Tom, I want to ask this question. What was more surprising, the fact that Russia got eliminated or the fact that Denmark finished in second, given everything that happened to them during this tournament? Uh, I would say the former, just because as a true fan of, of football, the emotion, the passion, the romanticism, I was rooting for Denmark. I thought it was completely ridiculous that they had to play the second half of that match after what happened uh, to Ericsson. I, I would even go as far as saying I'm, there's probably Finnish players in the Finnish squad that felt bad that they had to do so. Uh, and felt bad that they won that match, you know, by virtue of the Pian Polo goal. So, I mean, I I just, I would feel so out of place speaking, you know, speaking in a manner at which I didn't want. I think, Jake, we can all say that re regardless of where your allegiances are, you know, your secondary or your third team for most of the people watching this tournament became Denmark based on everything that happened. And just seeing that, you know, performance against Russia uh, in what was, I think, probably a full park and stadium in Copenhagen. It definitely seems like the capacity was increased from the Finland match uh, to the Belgium match to the Russia match. I don't know if anyone else noticed that, but rightfully so, uh, based off everything that had happened. And it was just amazing to see that. And Christensen's goal, again, Jake, <laughs> pains me to say it, you know, because I hate Chelsea, but that was an absolute worldie right up there with Patrick Schick's goal for goal of the tournament. In my opinion, that thing was an absolute laser beam. You don't see them hit quite like that, that often anymore. And that was, I believe that was the goal that ultimately tilted them over the edge in goal difference to take them to second in the group. Uh, and then they obviously scored a fourth after that. But uh, so for that reason, I would say that I was more surprised that Russia finished last in the group um, and crashed out of the tournament. You know, I was expecting a lot more from them. But it's just it's too hard to to say anything ill of Denmark at the moment. And I'm very excited to see them in the knockout stages. And I think it's going to be uh, amazing for their fans to experience. I don't know exactly what the odds are that Churchyshev is going to be sent to a gulag, but it'll be it'll be a little bit tough. It'll be a little bit oh, close. And, and Jake, did you see? I do have to say he kind of was one of the guys who started the trends. I know you saw this uh, Ronaldo moving the Coca-Cola off of the. Uh, the table for the um, <laughs> for the the press conference and just saying to drink water, Coca-Cola is not good. Sherishev, I believe, was <laughs> he took one of the Coca-Cola bottles and used it as leverage to open the bottle for the other Coca-Cola bottle, and he started drinking it and then asked about a sponsorship. I mean, you got to laugh at that. It's just a little funny, a little bit of humor. <laughs> and just in the fashion that he opened the bottle and then just started uh, chugging the Coke was, was pretty funny in my opinion. It is. And further on that point, do we have to give Cristiano Ronaldo more attention than he already does? We get that dude is an utter health freak. Like, why are we, like, why are we doing this? Like, we don't have to do this. So let's just... Let's just not do this. Anyway, we're going to move on. Uh, Tom, we both got Group C right perfectly. 2AT, Netherlands, Austria, Ukraine, North Macedonia. I won't ask any questions about that. Pat ourselves on the back, and we're going to move on to Group D. 
Uh, Scotland. Uh, this one was interesting. This group overall was very interesting um, in terms of the fact that a team won the group only scoring two goals, relying on a dude that was at some point or another <laughs> kind of hated in all of England. And now all of a sudden he has the only two goals of the national team and they all love him again. It's a very interesting dynamic when uh, when you're scoring goals to send your team to the round of 16. But uh, Tom, are, are you quaking over this uh, round of 16 matchup? Just very briefly because we have to touch on it later, but... Are are you a little terrified? Are you are you are you schwitzing a little bit over this round of sixteen matchup? Oh, of course. Just based off of what I saw, if Germany can turn up and and turn in the performance that they did against Portugal, uh, then you know, quote unquote, ghost is on fire. Your defense is terrified. Da na 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 na. They're gonna flip the song on its head, and that's gonna be very terrifying. But you know, Mister Pragmatism himself, Mister Gareth Southgate. I always am going to trust him to put out a very pragmatic lineup. I w- it would not shock me to see him go with a back five or two wing backs, knowing that that's what Yachim Love has used in all three group stage matches, whether you like it, whether you hate it, whether you love it. I mean, we barely got through and out of the group stages, thanks to uh, Mr. Leon Goretzka coming on and scoring a late goal. Why he didn't start that match, Jake, I have no idea. That's a separate conversation, though. I think we all saw what happened when... Goretzka, Muller, and Musiala came onto the pitch. Timo Werner did come on. Yes, he kind of had a hand in the last goal. He basically played a pass that was deflected, got to Musiala, and then teed up, or uh, basically Goretzka (laughs) set him up for a shot, which was blocked, and then came back to Goretzka. So I guess Chuck, hashtag Timo time, he was there and at least in the play for that goal. If you want to take that as his saving grace and his moment of glory from Euro 2020. But obviously Jake too, given the fact that I'm a Liverpool fan and also an England fan, they're the number one team I support. I probably know the England players like exponentially more than the U S men's national team. Um, but yeah, Germany, it, it just sucks. It pains me that it had to be this way. England and Germany, in the back of my mind, though, either for us, for BFW, Jake, and, you know, the affinity I have for Die Mannschaft in Germany, one of these teams is going through to the quarterfinals. So I have to rest some solace on that fact and be happy for that. Yeah, we're we're still not going to give credit to Chuck for, for Timo time because he still hasn't scored yet. So that's that. On to Group E, which is the one that I got the most wrong. And I... This group was the most incorrect group prediction for all of us. So, Tom almost got it right. He had Sweden, Spain, Poland, Slovakia. Swap Slovakia and Poland, and that's how it ended. Slovakia finished third. Poland finished last in real life in the group. Sweden won, Spain two. I predicted Poland, Spain, Sweden, Slovakia which was just very wrong, and I, I'll just go off on my own tangent for this one. I, I I won't necessarily ask you a question, Tom, because you pretty much got it right. I was kind of disappointed by how poor the supporting cast around Robert Lewandowski was for, for Poland, because 
once again, they have wasted the talents of arguably the best player in the world, definitively the best striker in the world, at least the last two, I'll say three years. It's, it's really confusing that a team with some pretty good players on it can't find a way to work the ball into the middle. And whether that just speaks to the quality of Bayern or to the poor quality of the Polish national team, I don't know. The formula is pretty simple. Lewandowski should be nowhere near the wings, and yet I saw that a lot in the Sweden game. You should be having people push up, have the big guy in the middle, and either feed it low to him so that he can tap it one time or that he can get a high cross and head it in. That's all you have to do. Just get it to the big guy in the middle and he'll get something done about it. And they finally cracked that code against Sweden. But it was way too late for them to do anything. They conceded six goals this tournament, which is not a good mark. It's it's one of the worst marks for any team. Only two teams conceded eight goals, Turkey and North Macedonia. Only one team conceded seven, and that was Russia. And a number of other teams conceded six. Uh, by another a number of other, I mean Portugal and Hungary, and then Poland. And that was it. Slovakia also, sc- also had seven scored on them. But it, it's, it's weird to see Lewandowski out of a tournament in dead last in his group again. This is the second time that it has happened because it happened in 2018 at the World Cup. And I just don't know what this man has to do in order to get a good supporting cast around him at the national team level. Poland has some great football players and just for some reason they they just can't they just can't get it done for him. And I feel bad for him. I feel terrible for him. Group F, Tom. Group of death. We got it right. I think we both got it right. I had France, Germany, Portugal, Hungary. You had France, Germany, Portugal, Hungary. And it finished France, Germany, Portugal, Hungary. So great job for us. I'll ask you another. What was the most surprising result from this group? And it really looks towards match day two as the most surprising result. Germany's 4-2 win over Portugal or France's 1-1 draw with Hungary. What was more surprising to you? I'm actually going to kind of flip this on its head a little bit. And I would say the latter, Germany's 4-2 win over Portugal, just based off of the the first result. I always had a feeling, knowing that the Puskas Arena was one of the only venues that was going to allow 100% capacity, I always knew it was going to be a raucous atmosphere. Um, I personally, Jake, felt that 3-0 in the opening match flattered Portugal a little bit over Hungary. I thought Hungary did far better than 3-0. I personally, for the second goal, thought that was a really, really soft penalty on uh, you-know-who taking a little bit of a dive in the box and then obviously converting the penalty. Third goal, you can basically just chalk up to Hungary collapsing at that point. But, you know, really, I think that game was a lot closer than the scoreline spoke for. Uh, I thought... Hungary did a, a great job of taking a lot of Portuguese players out of the game, keeping Bruno Fernandes pretty quiet, uh, Ronaldo pretty quiet for most of the proceedings, Bernardo Silva as well. Um, 
And Semedo, I think, who has had trouble on that left flank defending uh, counterattacks specifically, as we saw against us. But just based off of the fact that, you know, I thought Portugal, like I said, I thought the scoreline flattered them a little bit uh, against Hungary. And then the fact that we just absolutely battered them at the Allianz Arena. And let's be honest, Jake, we had so many chances, so many chances. And we still converted four, but we had far more than that. And we honestly could have scored more than four. Not that it really made that much of a difference in the end based on our other results in the group, but that result to me was a bit more shocking. I always knew that the Hungarians were going to put up a very, very good fight and make it very difficult for France. Um, it's still shocking, too, that France, with the results that they had, basically thanks to Mats Hummels and his own goal, they finished top of the group. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to tackle all of the round of 16 games, and we're going to give you our predictions, so stay with us. Welcome back. Now, we're just going to quickly, very quickly, rapid-fire give our predictions for each of the round of 16 games in order of when they are being played. So we're going to start off with the first game being played, Wales versus Denmark. Tom, this one is going to be a fun one. It is going to be a close one. This one being held between a team that lost their best player and a team that really fought to get to the position that they were in, and a team in Wales that had... Some rough patches, but we're relatively a very coherent team. This one being played at the Johan Cruyff Arena in Amsterdam. What do you think for this one? The footballing gods are watching over Denmark for that reason. They're going through. I'm picking Denmark. I cannot root against him in this game. I absolutely cannot. Christensen comes alive. Paulsen comes alive. That's it. Denmark go through. I'm just going to quickly go Wales, not because I don't want Denmark to win. I just think that they've put together more complete performances in their group stages. I would be very happy with either of them going through. Uh, I would be extremely happy if Denmark went through, and I low-key hope that Denmark goes through, but I don't know. Something is pulling me in the direction of Wales. Next game uh, at Wembley, Italy against Austria. Tom, who do you have? The Azuri, all the way. I mean, they've cakewalked through the group stages, and I think they're going to turn it up another level and show us a whole different gear uh, with all of their starters well-rested, having most of them had the day off um, in that 1-0 win over Wales in the final group stage match. Yeah, this one's a no-brainer for me, too. I have Italy in this one pretty handily, I guess. I'm really shocked that at the beginning of this tournament, people were saying that Italy was really going to be an underdog when they conceded all of three goals in their entire qualifying and haven't lost a match since, I believe, 2019. So... I really, from the outset of this tournament, I thought they were going to be going pretty deep in this, at least to the quarterfinals. But now after this result and after everything they've gone through, I'm really thinking semifinals for this team. Uh, next game, the following day at the Pushkas Arena in Hungary, we have the Netherlands against the Czech Republic. Who do you have, Tom? I have to go with the Netherlands, and it just pains me so much that Jeannie Vinaldum's no longer going to be a Liverpool player because he's had a phenomenal tournament. Dumfries coming down that right channel. Memphis Depay, vote Veghorst, excuse me, up top, causing lots of problems. I think even though, Jake, for your boy Vladimir Sufal and Thomas Suchek, I think the Dutch are just going to be too much for them, and uh, I think the Dutch go through to the quarterfinals. I hope my boys forgive me because I easily have the Netherlands going through as well. 
Uh, again, they just score a lot of goals from all three levels of the field, and I think that they're uh, they're going to continue to do that. So, next game, our probably our first big tough decision here, Tom. Belgium versus Portugal. This one being played at the Estadio de la Cartuja in Sevilla. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. It's Ronaldo in third place at the Euros. We've seen it happen at the last tournament, and they went ahead and won the whole thing. But this Belgium team did a really fantastic job. De Bruyne is going to be back. Romelu Lukaku was scoring at a high clip. Who do you have? Yeah, Jake, this one is tough for me. You know, I don't want to root for Ronaldo. I don't want to see another Euro 2016 where Portugal basically don't score an open play in the knockout stages until the final and go on to win it. But something about me just tells me the whole Ronaldo aspect, whether it be like winning like a like a, a BS penalty towards the end or, or Pepe play acting, getting someone from Belgium sent off. I look at both of these defenses and weaknesses that both of these defenses have, uh, but I think that back three with the sort of two inverted wingbacks in Belgium has a much higher susceptibility to be caught out by guys like Ronaldo, um, Bernardo Silva, and whoever uh, the Portuguese decide to start up top for that encounter. So for that, it pains me to say, Jake, but I think Portugal are going to find a way to squeeze through this. Might even go to penalty kicks, but... I don't want that. I would much rather Belgium go through, but something just tells me that whole, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, been there, done that, experience type of energy is going to pull through in, in one way or another for the Portuguese. I look at this one and I see a Portugal team being pulled through by sheer will on behalf of a couple of players, specifically Cristiano, but this Belgium team is a more complete team to me. Even though in the beginning of the tournament I expressed some concerns about their back line, they've done a pretty decent job so far at holding everything up. I don't see them stopping that here. I think that Belgium go through, and a lot of my picks might seem pretty chalk from this point on, but... uh you know, it is what it is. Tom, next one, Croatia versus Spain. Who do you got? This, I guess, is where one of my upsets is going to go. I think Croatia is going to beat Spain. I think Jake Spain has been, if you kind of take that 7-0, was it 7-0 or 5-0? Whatever it was uh, the other day against Slovakia, you take away that result. I think they've been one of the teams coming in with massive expectations that have kind of not met them. Uh, and there's been sort of a restlessness throughout the whole country because of it. You know, so much drama uh, between, you know, the disparity and the, you get people on different sides of the coin, Villarreal's Moreno or Alvaro Morata, who should be starting. I think the pressure's been on uh, Morata, so to speak. People were on his back after the first game. Uh, so I think there's going to be a lot of tension from that Spain side, and I think Croatia is going to go into this as the underdog and have nothing to lose, and they're going to play more expressive, and I can definitely see Croatia just uh, nipping a a positive result and going through to the quarterfinals, and I just really don't want to root for Spain, Jake, I mean, when it comes down to it. I don't want to have to root for Spain either. Uh, This game being played at the Parkin Stadium in Copenhagen, by the way, I look at this Croatia team, and I think they performed about as well as Slovakia did, and I know that sounds a little tough on Croatia, but 
they didn't really perform well until that Scotland game. And yes, there were a lot of questionable calls that were given to the teams that Croatia was playing, but at the same time, they still really haven't seemed to click that well up front, right? Andre Kramaric has not really been performing well for this Croatia team. I'm very sad about that. It's fortunate that they have players like Mateo Kovacic and Luka Modric, but I I don't know. It, it really all depends on how many shots Alvaro Morata takes. If he takes more than five, Spain lose. If he takes three, then Spain win, and that is going to be my prediction. I think if he if Alvaro Morata is able to take less than five shots this game, then Spain are going to win and they're going to get out of their own way. Just feed the ball to Gerard Moreno and let's get this done, right? Let's get let's get this Spain team where arguably they truly belong. Uh, next game, Tom, let's take a look at this one. This is going to be another fun one. At the National Arena in Bucharest, Romania, France versus Switzerland. Uh, cheese country versus wine country. So what do you think? Well, that's a good pairing, isn't it? You know, Bordeaux and even Jake, we can't forget uh, Swiss chocolate as well. So a lot of good delicacies for fans of those two nations. But as much as I thought France were not as impressive in the group stages in that group of death with us, Germany, I think there'll be too much for the Swiss. And um, if I'm looking at the goal difference too, I think the Swiss... Uh, just looking real quick, how many goals did they concede, Jake? Let's see. Uh, five goals, which is one of the borderline worst third-place teams to go through. Uh, so because of that, I just think the firepower, Griezmann, Mbappe, Benzema, who's finally starting to fire after those two goals uh, against Portugal, I think uh, it's just going to be too much. And, hey, maybe even a, a Coco Tolisso worldie, right? Uh, I'd love to see that. So you never know. Or Benjamin Pavard, if he recovers from his injury, because we all know in major tournaments and for Bayern, Pavard only scores worldies. So this could be the perfect time for him, France, to go through. I'm quickly saying France because I want to move on to the next one immediately because, Tom, right in that segment, you said playing against us, Germany. So that leads me to believe that you are picking Germany for our next matchup against England at Wembley, correct? You were picking Germany because you said we, Tom. You said we and us. So you are picking Germany, correct? Well, Jake, especially having gone through that 2018-19 season, covering Liverpool and Bayern in the Champions League, completely objectively, professionally not giving uh, I need no name too much stick in the Slack channel after uh, Liverpool absolutely bossed it up at the Allianz Arena. I think I wear my professional hat pretty well, Jake. I think you can maybe give me some credit there, but just based off allegiances, my childhood growing up as a young lad, a Liverpool fan, becoming obsessed with Steven Gerrard, always being around the England national team. I'm 100% going to be rooting for England, but but Jake, I will you will not see me not covering this from a Germany standpoint as professionally and as objectively as I can. I will never do that disservice to the German fans, but I football's coming home, Jake. I just need it to come home and even though it's not my own home, it's in my blood. I am predominantly English and Irish and you know, I think it's time. Gareth Southgate is going to bring it home. 
And uh, now all of a sudden that England five Germany one song is just popping into my head randomly. And, you know, watching that Steven Gerrard absolute screamer. So you won't see me. There won't be any banter. It'll be all love, all professionalism on the Slack channel and in our live blogs. No hate. Um, and I'll even end by saying this. I think because it's at Wembley, I believe, Jake, if I have read collect correctly, they are going to increase the capacity a little bit once again uh, from what it's been for England's three group stage matches. The atmosphere is going to be brilliant. It's going to be, in my opinion, probably the most exciting uh, round of 16 match, and I'll go on record of saying that. If you're able to take a long lunch from work, I will be more than willing to drive down to New Haven and meet you at that same pub to watch Germany uh, find some way to either win this game or dramatically screw up this game because that's really what my prediction is going to be. It all depends on which team Yagi Love fields for this for this game. If he starts Leon Goretzka, who has been fantastic this game, over Ilkay Gundogan, who has really not been in his best form, then yeah, I, th I think that Germany have everything they need because England's backline has not been the best. They've been a little slow at times. Gareth Southgate's decision-making and personnel decisions have been really questionable from waiting until this last game to start Jack Grealish to only having Jadon Sancho play six minutes throughout the entirety of of the tournament so far, I think that Yogi Lev really needs to just sit there and field his best team because Southgate won't. For some reason, he will not field his best team. And Yogi needs to just sit there and have a talk with himself and say, I don't need to try and outmanage Gareth Southgate because he's already doing that to himself. Let me just put my best team out there. And so saying that, because I am a logical person, that's the exact opposite of what he's going to do. He's going to start Joshua Kimmich at right back again, and Germany is going to get utterly screwed. But this one's going to be a little bit for banter, but it's also really what I truly think. Germany on penalties. I think it'll go to penalties. And uh, Gary Lineker's uh, famous phrase will have to be a little bit modified uh, because after 90 minutes, I think it'll be tied. But regardless, at the end, 22 men are going to kick a football, and in the end, the Germans are going to win. That's, that's really how I feel about this. For some reason, I'm really not that nervous about this game, which... Is, is the opposite for a lot of fans of England and a lot of people in England and considering the articles and the amount of animosity thrown towards Germany. Uh, very interesting choices of words being put into headlines, but it, I agree that it will probably be the most fun and entertaining game uh, of this entire tournament. So, last game that we get to talk about which for some reason is held later in the day, Sweden versus Ukraine. Uh, Tom, this one being held at Hampden Park in Glasgow, of all places to host Sweden versus Ukraine. I guess that's because they would definitely not, not allow Ukraine to play at the Krastovsky Stadium in St. Petersburg. But 
Who do you have going through on this one in the battle between the yellow and blue team? Yeah, in continuation of how much I was lauding Sweden's tournament thus far and, you know, topping Group E, I think they're going to continue on in that form. And as pesky ha as the Ukrainians have made themselves, uh, as we saw, one of the most exciting games, Jake, if you would uh, agree with me, the 3-2 uh, against the Netherlands, they really fought back in the second half and, and forced the Netherlands to find a late, late winner. But you know, I, I think we've sh it, we I think we've seen how exposed that they leave themselves. And uh, I think if you take a look at the three-two win over Poland and the one-nil win over Slovakia, that's exactly yes. There might have been a little bit of controversy surrounding the penalty that was awarded. Uh, that Emil Forsberg converted for Sweden to beat Slovakia 1-0, but uh, I think we saw that Sweden were very deadly on the counterattack, uh, but I think they also are, you know, well-equipped to play a very direct match, winning a lot of aerial duels, and I think that they have what it takes to also, you know, build out of the back, control possession, uh, and, and really try to create their own chances, and I just think... When push comes to shove, uh, the Swedes are just going to have too much for uh, a Ukrainian side that has been uh, pleasantly surprising, Jake, for this tournament. You know, I've really enjoyed watching Yarmachuk, Yarmolenko, another one of your West Ham boys, Malinovsky. Um, so uh, we'll have to see. Um, perhaps I'll be proven wrong, but, you know, would love to see Isaac, Forsberg, Kwaizan, you know, the Bundesliga guys continue to do well. Augustinson as well, who I think has had a great tournament, so... Yeah, I'm definitely going to pick the Swedes to advance to the quarterfinals for this one, Jake. I want to pick Ukraine, but considering how bad their performance was against Austria, I have to pick Sweden. I'm also rooting for Alex Ishak, who is somebody who I predicted at the beginning of the tournament was going to have a great tournament, as did uh, Yarmolenko and Yaramchuk, who were my two predictions to do fantastic for Ukraine, and those were the ones I think I got the most right considering that they've scored, I believe, every goal that Ukraine has had so far in this tournament, which is a great a great feat for them. But if, if, that, if that same Ukraine team shows up, the one that played Austria, then this one's going to be like a 3-0 for Sweden. It's, it's not going to be pretty. But with that, we wrap up our breakdown of the group stage and our preview of the round of 16 so thank you all for listening please be sure to like rate share subscribe and download us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify and anywhere else you get your quality audio content follow tom on twitter at tommy adams 71 follow me on twitter at jefferson fenner follow the blog on twitter at bavarian fb works and you can find our work every day covering this tournament at bavarianfootballworks.com so until next time where we bring you coverage of the next match day, the first match day of the round of 16. We will see you all later. Auf Wiedersehen.